Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have some of my favorite people on Instagram here with or for you guys. And I'm just going to dive right in. So they are the duo of we talkers. And let me throw it over to them. Carly and Katie, can you take a second and introduce yourself to the listeners? So hi, I'm Carly. And first of all, Alyssa, we just want to thank you so much for having us on. You are one of our favorite Instagram. We learn so much from you. You just have such an amazing way about you. And it's an honor to be here. And so I'm Carly. I'm a mom of two. And I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I've been a pediatric speech language pathologist since 2007. So and we found so much that working with families in our practice that families are needing more support and education for home because as therapists, we work with families for such a short period of time, but then the families go home and they have all this time together. And we notice that the most change can be made is when the parents are feeling educated and empowered and like they know what to do. So that's what we really focus on with We Talkers is providing parent education. And also we have like programs for kids to watch as well. And yeah, it's super fun. And Katie and I work together. I'll let Katie introduce her and we and kind of like how we met. I'm Katie and I get to work with Carly on the daily and it's so fun. Um, Carly's in Vancouver and I'm in Arizona. Um, so we're in two separate countries. I have four kids, um, an 18 month old, a four year old, a six, almost seven year old and a eight year old. Um, and so we are, we are living in the years of early language and seeing the other sides of it. And, um, it's super fun, but Carly and I actually met on Instagram and I feel like I can tell our story better than I can tell like my husband and I's story. (laughs) (laughs) And we celebrate like more than like our marriage. It's just so funny to me, but, uh, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't cut up confetti and blow it for <laughs> our anniversary, but I did for Carly. <laughs> I was telling so. off air, I was talking about how I remember when they first announced that they were starting to work together. And I, cause I had followed you guys both independently and absolutely. Yeah. And it was like that moment where you see two of your friends become friends. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's yeah. such a perfect pairing. And it was just so awesome. And so you guys have been the wee talkers together ever since. So now you said for two years, mm-hmm. I've been two years yeah two years working together yeah we've been working together for two years it wasn't officially like fully combined until like about a year in we kind of end up together to work on a project and then we were like hey this is actually super fun such good fit to work together so that's when we like fully started working together You know, there's a lot of like things I don't love about the Instagram world, but that I love that, that you guys met, like now have a business together and are friends and uh, raising your families, even, even in different mm-hmm. countries alongside each other. That's super fun. So that is awesome. Mm-hmm. So you guys are both speech language pathologists and you focus on helping parents increase their kids' language, right? Yes. That how you yeah. Know? And babies and toddlers are kind of our 
our jam. Um, we both have the most experience in our um, careers working with the birth through four, birth through five population. Um, and that's our love and what we feel the most gifted at. So it's fun to get to support families in that way. Yeah, I love that. And you guys really are supporting families. I know we were talking a little bit off air before we uh, hit record, but you know, it can be such a sense of frustration for parents when their kids aren't able to communicate. And that's where Mm -hmm. you start to see a lot of those, like, at least in my experience, like the temper tantrums from toddlers and uh, even in babyhood and not being able to communicate can lead to so much frustration for both mom, baby, family, everyone. And that could be so frustrating. So once you start to teach them how to communicate, a lot of these issues, not all of them, right? They're still toddlers at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but a lot of these issues tend to resolve yes. or you just feel, um, I think Carly used this word like empowered, like, okay, I have a plan. I have a way to communicate or teach them something. So something totally. I'd like to talk about for the listeners here is sign language. This is like, I feel like kind of a hot topic button. I'm on the outside, so maybe not, but I know that so many parents, like whenever I've lightly talked about sign, which I am in no way like qualified to do, but it helped my family so much. I wanted to share, you know, um, people ask, well, doesn't that hold back their speech or what sign should I be teaching my baby? Can you guys speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's super common that parents are concerned that they're going to introduce a way of communicating and then their child's going to not want to speak with verbal Mm -hmm. speech. And it's actually, the research shows that that is not true. Um, sign language does not deter kids from talking verbally. Um, it's, it's just a bridge for a lot of kids to, um, during the time that they're not able to use verbal words, they can use these motor skills to communicate their intent or their message. And so professionally, we see tons of benefit of introducing kids to sign at an early age, but also as moms, we both taught our kids um, some functional signs at an early age. And it was, it was really great to reinforce that communication. Um, so young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what are some of the signs that you recommend parents start with? Whether I know, obviously I'm biased to like the kitchen table and eating and all those things, but what do you find are the most helpful to teach young ones so that it kind of limits some of that frustration? Yeah. So we love teaching signs like more and all done And we honestly think mealtime is the perfect time to introduce sign language. We think there's so many benefits of like family mealtime. I know you could go on and on about this, Alyssa, from the nutrition point, Mm -hmm. um, but from the language standpoint as well, like I guess probably development overall. Um, So we love teaching milk. Like this is a time where everybody's kind of sitting down together. People are face to face. Things slow down a little bit. There's not a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. So we think it's the perfect time to introduce sign language. So those are a few that we'd go to first. Yeah, I love that. And I remember teaching my kid more made everything easier. It was like, okay, now he can say more and Mm -hmm. I can understand what he needs because sometimes you'll see like certain food behaviors, you know, like throwing Mm -hmm. food or Mm -hmm. shoving things where you don't want them to be shoved or screaming at the table, pounding on their um, high chair because they're so frustrated, right? They're trying to tell Mm -hmm. you something and you're not understanding them. And that can be just a source of, for, for me, I remember just feeling horrible. Like I can't, what does my child want? Like everyone told me I'm going to be able to tell the difference between these cries. I can't tell the difference. (laughs) And so more was a big one. And then help. We also did help. Oh yeah. Help. Yeah. Oh, such a great one. And and less, maybe less so at the table, but help anywhere else was like a huge one because then he could ask 
for help because also I would frustrate him by helping him when he didn't want it. He's like, for sure. Oh, yeah. I am very independent. We do it, you know? Whatever yeah. Be. So, oh, that's well, and help with like snacks, help with yes. like packaged snacks mm-hmm. is a really good one. And open, it's amazing how many things they need mm-hmm. to open throughout their day. Yes. So, help and help and open are also definitely ones you can do surrounding snack time more so. Um, even like Ziploc bags or, you know, something that's tricky for them just modeling like oh you need help let me help you and then um and like right now my my 18 month old he signed help by just um by putting his hands together kind of more up and down instead of um more horizontally and but now he's saying like help help as he's like trying to sign too and so that's the thing about sign language is that as soon as they can use their words they will um, it's just a matter of, of time for them. And so if they are motivated to sign, then you're teaching them that there's a back and forth to communication. And as soon as they're ready to start using their words, they'll usually drop the sign eventually. Um, and some kids keep it a little bit longer and that's fine. Um, so yeah, we, we are big fans of sign. Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember it was amazing, my son. So when my daughter came along and we tried to start teaching her it, my son actually remembered some sign language that mm-hmm. dropped from years it's ago. amazing. How do you I love that, that. memory? So cool. <laughs> not genetic, I don't think, because I do not have that memory. But he started teaching it to her and it was really sweet to watch it, watching them interact and stuff. So um, that's really encouraging to hear. So it doesn't stunt their growth around speech or anything. In, in fact, not it's not at all. Um, that's really good yeah, to for know. For sure. How do you recommend, so if we wanted to get started with baby sign language, do you recommend just modeling it? Do you recommend like showing them with their hands or kind of hands-off approach? Like what would you say there for (laughs) teaching our kids? We recommend like, first of all, just going into it with the attitude of like, this is going to take some time. It's not something that's going to just, you're going to show them once and then they've got it and it clicks. And it's not something you have to be perfect about. You don't have to learn 20 signs. Like we recommend starting really small and just modeling them during the meals. Like you can start modeling this as soon as your child starts eating or it's never too late. You know, if you, if you have a one-year-old who's not really talking yet, you can start doing this um, Mm -hmm. and modeling the signs. So yeah, we just recommend a lot of modeling. We don't really recommend like a lot of hand over hand kind of prompting like that because uh-huh. it can just kind of like be discouraging in a way, maybe like gently really? guiding now and then. But like overall, we usually just model. And then if they get an approximation or if it's like kind of close, then we definitely honor that. And we're like, yes, you've got it. You said more. And then we're always modeling the verbal language along with the sign. And yeah, it takes time and practice, but eventually you'll start to see them imitating and copying you. And it's a big step towards verbal communication. So yeah. And just for everyone who's listening right now, I 100% did hand over hand and it 100% frustrated my kid. And I remember, <laughs> like, I remember, I don't know, I think it must've been you guys who were talking about it or something, but essentially like is this, would you want that? Like, would you want someone to come up to yeah. and put your hands on their hands and be like, it's like this? Probably not, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's just a good reminder. But just for anyone out there who's doing that, I did it too. So they're okay. Yes. <laughs> but I'll keep you posted. Um, but always good to remember it's, it's not about perfection. But my, yes, yes. Like keep okay. your expectations yeah. really low. Keep, Love you know, that. we always want to keep everything around communication and also mealtime, like light and fun. It's not 
some intense kind of thing. So just go into it with like kind of like a playful, um, you know, idea that this is going to be just something we show our child. Yeah. Oh, I feel mm-hmm. like this is like clicking some things in my brain so quickly where all of a sudden I'm remembering back with my son and I used to just pepper him with questions at the dinner table. Like, <laughs> do you like this? Do you want this? Do you yeah. think this? Like trying to get him to talk or whatever, just just connect mm-hmm. with him, right? Like he's a one-year-old or two-year-old. Yes. And it can be like, this isn't, how do I talk to you? And I remember peppering him with questions. And again, doing that reflection of like, would I want that? No, you know, so how can we, mm-hmm. I guess maybe the next kind of natural progression then is, you know, of course I am all about nutrition and family meals and love that. And I know we've talked a lot offline about how, what a great opportunity that kitchen table time, dinner time, lunchtime, whatever meal time is to help with language. So maybe can you give us some tips or strategies to use so we don't feel like we're interviewing our child, <laughs> but we're also interacting <laughs> with them and encouraging them to uh, learn how to communicate. All right, you guys, here I am yet again telling you about something that I slept on for way too long. So have you heard of Daily Harvest before? Because I'd heard about it for probably years before I actually decided to try it. And once I tried it, I am never going back. First of all, Daily Harvest sends you a shipment of a ton of freezer ready meals or even smoothies, which happen to be my favorite. There's also soups in there and side dishes and full on meals that you can make at any time. Daily Harvest has saved me more times than I can count where I'm just having a hard day and need to make something really quickly or I don't have dinner planned or the plan that I had for dinner completely got messed up or I'm hungry in the middle of the day and I just need a freaking smoothie, but I don't have the time to put it all together myself. For those of you who may not know about Daily Harvest yet, this is a service where you can order these frozen meals with impeccable ingredients, whole foods, and delicious combinations coming right to your door, practically ready to eat. You just throw them in the oven, maybe even the microwave, heat them up on the stove, or put them in your blender and they are ready. And I just can't tell you how much I wish I could have gone back, especially in those early days of becoming a new mom, wishing I had a service just like this and that I wouldn't have slept on it for so long. There's a reason why a lot of people are talking about this. I absolutely love Daily Harvest and their options. Um, I'm going to leave a link down in the description box. You can check them out, learn more. You can actually save 40% with my code. So I'll drop that down in the description box as well. I hope you give them a try and you don't wait like I did. Let me know what you think. Uh, The smoothies are probably one of my favorite things they make, but I also have been really loving their harvest bakes. And I've been loving their flatbreads, soups, and their little bites have been really fun to have in the freezer as well. All right, let me know if you try them. Remember to use my code for 40% off. The link will be down in the description box as well. And now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, you're not alone at all. I think parents are just like seeking that connection, like you said, and they're like wanting a response from their child, but it actually creates kind of a pressureful environment and they either shut down or they give you like one word responses, you know, or like, um, it's like yes or no questions, you know? Um, So if you can comment more than ask questions, it doesn't mean you can't ever ask questions. Like it's normal to ask questions, but if you can make the ratio so that you're commenting a little bit more than asking questions, that can be really helpful. So commenting would look like, I mean, if your child had carrots on their plate, you might say, oh, look at those orange carrots. They're shaped like sticks. 
have you ever seen an orange stick outside or something like that? That's just kind of what popped up in my head. But um, commenting about what they're eating, maybe the texture or the temperature or the shape. Um, and usually that will spark an idea in them or they'll catch on to like one word of it that they want to talk about. Um, so commenting can be a lot more of a low pressure strategy. That's pretty effective. Yeah, we also love just if parents feel a little bit stuck on what to say to their toddlers, like thinking of the five senses. So even like something else you see in the room, um, something you hear outside, like that can kind of spark conversation as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, if your child's not talking yet, and they're a little toddler, we love just like kind of reviewing what the plans are going to be for the day, or like some if it's Mm. the end of the day, kind of some things you did that day, like, oh, we went on a walk, and we saw some puddles, and you did some jumping, that was fun. And we don't always have to expect a response back. They're just hearing these words, they're being exposed to the vocabulary, and that helps build up their understanding of language, which is necessary before they're going to start to talk. So I think with language Mm -hmm. development, a lot of it isn't like visible right away on the surface, it's just happening. Like you can see your child's motor progression, like they're crawling, they're, you know, they roll over, then they start. So it's a lot more visible. But with speech and language, especially in the early stages, it's not, you can't always um, see it. We also Mm -hmm. love, like I said, to be playful. So we even like, like to pretend to be like animals and like, you know, chomp our lettuce like a dinosaur or, you know, licking something with a giraffe tongue just to be silly. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we also love placemats with pictures. I don't know if you recommend this or have talked about this, Alyssa, but we have a lot of those in our homes where there's like, little scenes on them that can kind of spark conversations as well. Oh, that's so fun. I haven't, no, I haven't come across that question specifically. People ask me about TV, you know, screens at the table, um, which I'm sure we're probably on the same page with. It's just a distraction, you know, and so Mm -hmm. if we can avoid it, but um, placemats would be wonderful. That's so fun. I've done, Mm -hmm. we've done like colorful placemats like in, so I have a membership for anyone who's gone through the table talk program. They can join my membership. And we've kind of talked about like color coding foods, like putting foods on the right color, like a a really fun way to do that. Yeah. Um, But I love that idea of like talking about the scenes. And we have, it actually reminds me of this beautiful picture in my daughter's room and it's like of a park, but it's zoomed out. So all these people are at the park doing different things. And she, every time she changed her diaper, she'd stand up. I'm right behind her. Okay. People don't report me. I'm right behind her. And she's safe. And she's like pointing at the picture and she's like, dog, walk dog, you know, a duck, feed the duck, like whatever. And so we go through this whole picture, but gosh, what a great idea to have that on a placemat. I never mm-hmm. thought of that. So. On a placemat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually, I used to do feeding therapy as a speech therapist before my children started having their own feeding issues. And it was just too much for me yes. to to work and live it um but we use placemats all the time as like a gateway to just have them like have a positive interaction with food usually it was like characters that they enjoyed or um, if there was like a bunch of dinosaurs maybe you would put peas in all the dinosaurs mouth on the placemat Mm -hmm. and then just pick them back up and put them back on your plate you know without pressure to to eat it um, and so placemats like do wonders for language and I feel like did wonders for just the playfulness of food and letting it be low pressure. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. Sometimes hearing you guys uh, teach like on Instagram, it just really reminds me how much parallel there is between, mm-hmm. you know, obviously feeding therapy 
also speech therapy and with picking yeah. and all these things are, I mean, Carly, what you were saying about there's so much going on below the surface that you don't see until all of a sudden they're talking, mm-hmm. right? You're not seeing that progression. And that's the same with picky eaters. A lot of times that I'm telling them, Hey, there's a whole slew of things that are happening under the surface. And it uh-huh. feels like they just said no to the broccoli again. It's the same as Tuesday, but it's not, it's, this is a different mm-hmm. one step closer, even if it doesn't. Yes. Um, so that's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harley and I were talking the other day and I was telling her that like a counselor friend, I, we were talking about how sometimes it just feels like you, you buy into this strategy or philosophy of parenting that you wholeheartedly agree with. And you sometimes feel like, is it making a difference? Is this the right path? Should I just scrap everything I'm doing and start over? Um, But she was talking about how like, it's literally taking tiny spoonfuls of sand into like a huge empty pool. And like, you're just like filling it. And it just takes so many scoops of sand to fill the pool, but you're doing it. It just, it feels Mm -hmm. slow sometimes, but it's so impactful and it it matters. I know I loved it too. Analogy. That is so, that is exactly what it feels like too, right? Like, can we Mm -hmm. all agree that it feels so frustrating that you're like once I only get one spoonful today. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. It really does add up. (laughs) I love that. I usually talk about parenting in this way of it feels like you're drawing on a white piece of paper with a white crayon. So you can't see anything that Mm. is coming up. But at the end of the day, I always have like this analogy when someone else comes up to you and tries to write on your paper, like tell you who you are, you know who you are because your mom's been writing on your paper. Like you ever tried to draw over white crayon. And you're like, yes, yes, yes. Really? It doesn't you can't. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. That's I like, love that. That's my little analogy. I've never heard that. It's a little different than the uh, sand one. So it's helpful to have a few No, but ones. it's, yeah, no, that's, that's really beautiful. I love that. That's cool. Get you through parenting. So some nice yeah. little analogy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You need some of these You're things. doing a good it, job. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Everyone listening, you're doing a good job. Yeah. And every little bit hard. matters. I like that about the spoonful of sand because it's like, yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like it's making a big difference, but it really, really yeah. matters every little bit. And even if you only get five minutes to work on language or whatever, um, that can yeah. So I'd love mm-hmm. to maybe talk about some of the mistakes you see parents making. And of course, we say mistakes lightly. Everybody who's listening, this is not like we're not damaging our kids. It's going to be okay. But what are some of the big things that you see that you're like, oh, every time a parent comes to us, they're typically doing this thing that um, we recommend needs just a little bit of tweaking. Yeah. I think one thing that I that comes to mind quickly is just like parents are so desperate to hear their kids talk and so desperate to connect with them in that way. And it comes from such a good intentional place. But the kids pick up on that pressure, just like feeding. Um, they pick up on that pressure and they know that that they're not able to do what you really want them to do. And I think they disappointment a little bit and it really deters kids from trying it deters kids from continuing to try um and so we really i know we've said it 10 times in this podcast but keeping things low pressure and fun and playful is how you're going to make the biggest gains um and it feels counterintuitive to like comment instead of like ask them a direct question but it really is more impactful yeah, I love that. Yeah, and the other thing we see is a big focus on um, parents wanting to teach their child like shapes, letters, colors before they're really having able to communicate kind of their basic wants and needs or um, comment on things in their environment. So that's probably the other one that we're reminding families a lot. And again, that comes from a very good place, like 
totally get, Mm -hmm. totally get that. Um, But yeah, that's probably, probably the other one we see. And like Katie said, with keeping it fun and light, it's like, there has to be like a connection there have really build up that connection and playfulness um, first is essential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can totally feel both those things. And before when we were off air, I was talking about how my kids are just naturally speakers. Like they started speaking on their own. You know, I didn't really have to invest a ton of time or effort into it. And I know that's not everyone's story. I'm very grateful for it. But even you talking about this is bringing up and reminding me, even though I didn't feel like this was our thing, right? Everyone has their thing they struggle with, with their kids and they have different needs and different, you know, uh, paths of how long it takes Mm -hmm. them to do different things. But I even remember feeling so much pressure. Like, I want my kid to say mama, you know, I want my kid to say, I love you. Like I was so focused on that. And I remember I actually, so I had a pretty traumatic first birth. It's a whole nother story, but I didn't feel like a mom until my son called me mama. And so there was a ton of pressure for me to teach him this word because I felt like then I could like take on this identity, like, okay. yeah, And so I totally relate to Katie, what you're saying about that pressure of like, just say mama, you know, Mm -hmm. not. And of course it was not the first word. It wasn't even close, you know? (laughs) And it just makes so much sense now. And, you know, even Carly, what you were saying of just like, I don't know, having having this connection with them and keeping it light and keeping it fun is so much more powerful and language grows so much faster typically um, in those moments. And it's such a beautiful thing, but you can't can't control it, right? And forcing them to do those sorts of things uh, never turns out well for us, right? So um, what are some ways that you recommend keeping the light, airy pressure off and maybe some fun ways to interact with your kid and connect with them to also get the language flowing? So yeah, that's a great question. We love um, recommending, one of the first things that we recommend to all families that come to work with us is follow your child's lead, like look at what they're interested in, look at what they actually want to do, how are they playing, and then kind of go, go to that and either join in with them. Some kids don't like that you can play next to them. But it's kind of like first tuning in to like getting down at their level and noticing what they are into. Like in our talk toddler course, we talk about like, it might not be the typical things that you would think your child would be interested in. Maybe you think they should be into like trucks and dolls or a baby doll. Like maybe they're super interested in like checking out what's in your like bottom freezer that opens and closes. (laughs) Maybe they're interested in seeing like the lights go on and off. It doesn't have to be the typical thing. So that's what we really mean by like follow their lead and see what they're interested in first. Get face to face and get down on their level is like Mm -hmm. a basic place to start. Yes. Good. And so relatable. Cause as especially (laughs) compared to like, you know, I always wanted to be that mom. I think there's like this narrative about like the first time mom versus second time mom. Like I think of like that pamper, I think it's Pampers commercial that's like first time mom is like crazy and like packing her bag and getting everything ready. And then second time mom is just like grabs a diaper and walks out the door. And so I I had this idea where I'm like, I'm just going to be an immediate second time mom and be totally, no, you're not, you're not, you have to go through the first time mom. But that gosh, Carly, I just like, makes me realize that I'm so much quote unquote better with my daughter following her lead of like, this is what she wants to play and we're going to empty the freezer now. <laughs> and that's what it's yeah. going to be. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, your kid's going to want to play with the thing that's not a toy. Right. I mean, that oh, is like a sure. universal truth. And I remember with my son just trying to constantly get him interacting with these toys I bought him. Like 
Don't you yeah. want to play with Buzz Lightyear? Mm-hmm. And don't you want to play with yeah. this horse? No, you want to play with a spoon. Okay, great. Yeah. You know? And I <laughs> exactly. think leading into that more as, you know, with my daughter, just realizing I'm going to have to clean up something anyways. So if it's not their toys, it can be this pot and pan drawer. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And For the other thing sure. I want to make sure we mention about this, like if your child, if you're wanting them to say more words, but they're not yet, like we really have to take a step back and look at their foundational skills. Like it's same with feeding. You can't go straight to like, okay, I'm going to start serving, you know, green beans. They've never eaten vegetables, but like they're going to do it right. Like it's the Mm -hmm. same with language. It's like there's baby steps to kind of get to that first word point. So if your child and beyond, like, So that's one big thing is like understanding what the milestones are and like the steps that come before the skill you're looking for. Oh, can Mm -hmm. you, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like what, maybe an example? Yeah. So if we're thinking about first words, like if your child's around one and they haven't really started saying any words yet, we would look at like, are they producing consonant sounds? Are they using gestures to communicate a want or need? Like this was would come before saying a word to communicate a want or need. Are they um, participating in a back and forth interaction with me that doesn't involve talking? That could look like pushing a ball back and forth or even just showing you something. Um, there's lots of skills. Like we have a whole milestone checklist if people want to look through and kind of see what skills to be looking for because a lot of times with what we do people are focused on the number of words but there's like so much more to it and like we were talking about that under the surface kind of stuff like all their receptive language what their ability to understand so we have like what to look for in all of those too like can they follow one step direction that kind of thing I want to take a quick second and remind you of my free picky eating guide. If you haven't downloaded this guide yet, take a second and click the link in the show notes below and download your copy today. It's eight pages long and you'll learn the five pillars of parenting a picky eater that not only make this podcast make way more sense, but it'll also help you jumpstart a more peaceful experience at the table. The best part is it's absolutely free and will be delivered directly to your inbox. All right, now back to the show. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful. Because I, you know, that's funny. That's somewhere I wanted to get to was, okay, what are the milestones? And I've heard all this, you know, back and forth about the milestones and what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's super helpful. Is that a download you guys have on your site? Is it uh, like a page? Yeah. Yeah. No, No, it's it's free. It's free. Yeah. That's so generous of you. Okay. Well, maybe is it okay if I put a link to it in the description box? Yeah, for sure. on the fly, you guys. All right, we'll link that down there <laughs> as well so you can get that freebie because that sounds super, super helpful. And then I guess let's dive into it a little bit then because, okay, that's really important. So everyone hold on to that when we talk into this next segment. But if you if you want to touch on some of the milestones, like a lot of parents are like, how many words should they be saying, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I remember doing this with my son when he first started, he said his first word or actually it was right before. And I was like, is he supposed to be talking right now? I don't know. And my niece, (laughs) oh gosh, I absolutely love my niece. She was doing the ABCs at 18 months, full, full ABCs. And I'm sitting over here like, I don't, um, what? I don't, mm -mm, (laughs) nope, he's not going to be doing that anytime soon. And so (laughs) yeah, tendency to compare and we all know it's not healthy, but we do it. And so uh, I guess if you have any general guidelines we're going to hold on to these loosely right guys <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you want to um walk us through that or if you have a um something you'd like to say about it you can do that too but what is that yeah 
so i mean i think it's a very normal thing to go to a park and like look around and be like wait this kid's how old shoot should my kid be doing that what oh i haven't been i don't have an abc puzzle oh no like what have i been doing but kids have different abilities and gifts just like grown-ups do i mean mm-hmm. it's funny that we like in school, you know, some of us were really good at math and some of us were really good at reading and some people were really good at it all, but that's not the case for everybody. And so some people are really, some kids are really great communicators and others think it's easier to push a bar stool over to the pantry and climb all the way up and open the cabinet and get what they want. Like that's easier for them. Uh Um, I joke that my kids were really verbal and now they're helpless because they just like told me what they wanted when they were you know, 10 months old. And so now they're just like, I just, I gave them what they wanted because they were like little and now they're eight. And I'm like, no, you can get up and go get it. Yes, right. (laughs) We all have different strengths. That's hilarious. (laughs) So I think, I think just to remember that, first of all, just that, you know, they're, they're going to have differences and that's not a bad thing. Um, But typically we look for first words to emerge, like Carly was saying, around 12 months of age. Um, and before that, they're doing a few things that Carly mentioned, and you can look at that on the uh, milestone checklist. And then around 18 to 24 months, they're starting to put words together. They'll typically start putting words together once they have about 35 to 50 words. Um, and for like later talkers, it seems to be more towards that 50 or higher to start putting words together. And that makes lots of sense, right? Because if you only have a small repertoire of things to choose from you're not going to like be able to make a lot of word combinations um so they might say mama when they're 12 months and when they're 18 months they might say no mama or mama help or they might sign help and say mama there's kind of like a little combo of things that happen um and then by the time they're you know two and a half they're stringing sentences together um and it, it happens so, so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it happens so fast. And that's one reason we're so passionate about what we do, because we see a lot of families like being like, I didn't know it was this quick kind of thing. Like we're, we're early intervention therapists. So we're wanting to provide the most support at the youngest age we can. You'll hear sometimes you know, in like a mom Facebook group or something like, oh, they'll just talk when they're ready. But like, that's not always the case. We want to make sure that they have this strong foundation because when they start school, it's straight into, you know, reading and writing and doing all these things. So we have these early years to kind of make sure these foundational skills are are in place. So if parents do have concerns, we really um, encourage you to reach out to a speech pathologist and we can like link a blog post on how to do that, like in the United States, like where to, what to Google, what to do, because it's free um, to access these services. And then of course, with WeTalkers, we provide support as well. But if you're really concerned, we want you to get that one-on-one support. I love yeah. how you talked about that. Cause I, you know, it's always this, I feel like, especially in Instagram world where everything in my opinion is so polarizing that there's always these people who are saying it's not a big deal. They'll do it whenever they're ready. And then yes. there's these people who are saying, no, 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 early intervention, get to it as soon as you can make time for it every day. And it, right. Like the, it's the middle, right. And in, in my mm-hmm. opinion, it's the middle and this, yeah. is, but this is really important to know also, okay, why is, why is speech important? And when you're, when you're talking about it, 
I'm realizing, you know, when in Colorado, we have school choice. And so we can choose from all these different schools and I'm super grateful for that. So there's schools that we could choose to put our kids into that are hundred percent, a different language, like Spanish learning and it's immersive. Right. But then you're thinking about it and you're like, okay, that could be a really beautiful thing. But then now they're trying to learn a language and learn math, right? Like that's kind of <laughs> what you're talking about essentially is if they don't have those foundations, they get put in my son's in first grade and they're doing math, you know, on day one. And so all of a sudden you're like trying to catch up with language and also learn this other skill. Um, and I think that's a really important reminder that these foundations, A, are going to help build on other things later, right? Like we all know a house needs to be built on a strong foundation, but then also, um, Oh, I just lost my other train of thought, but essentially the whole point of, oh, I know what it was. It was, um, it will also bring up if there is an issue, right? So if you're working on this earlier, you'll be able to see if there is some sort of learning disability or something that's keeping them, holding them back. You'll be able to recognize that earlier. Does that feel right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that they, that they'll get the support earlier and we know that so much brain growth happens birth to Mm -hmm. three it just rapidly builds. And so the sooner that you can support, the better chance that they're going to be able to retain that information and make new synaptic connections and like just learn faster. It doesn't mean that if you miss that window that they're not going to progress by any means. It's just that they make faster progress and we tend to see that kids will catch up a little bit easier um, when you get them the support sooner. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And so I guess let's, first of all, if you guys are not following them on social media, 100% do that. They have absolute incredible content. I love finding people like you guys who really support moms. Don't freak us out. (laughs) Don't make us feel like we're doing a horrible job, but also give us (laughs) tangible tools on what we can do and what we can control too, right? Like we can't control it all. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely love following you guys on social media, but can you talk a little bit about what you do offer um, if parents are like, you know, I'm just not sure. And that's what I always tell parents about pick eaters. If you're just not sure, if you feel like there's a gap, if you feel like your life would be made easier, right? If you take some steps to get more support, then I'm all for it. Like, absolutely. If you can, if you can, I'm all for taking those steps. So what is it that you guys offer to parents to help them um, if they feel like they need a little bit of support? Yeah, so for parents of toddlers, we offer um, a few things. We offer an online course called Talk Toddler, and it's basically the strategies that we teach families that come to see us in person. And we walk you through everything step-by-step, teach you how to help your child talk and communicate more. And we have like video examples with real parents and like worksheets that you fill out to help you guide through it. And then for families who want more support beyond that, we offer our all access membership. So it's Talk Toddler All Access where they can come to our monthly Q&As, be in our private Facebook group, be able to get, you know, connect with Katie and I um, directly. And then we also offer something for kids called our Songs and Stories membership. So kids can join us for essentially online story time and songs classes where we teach simple, simple songs and rhymes that um, you can incorporate into your daily life it also like gives you a break super high quality screen time it's like super slow paced because it's just us reading a story um so we find it kind of you know can give parents a break that they feel really really good about and that's help supporting their child's like language and literacy development i love that so much i absolutely love the idea of having our kids like 
you guys have such soothing voices. And every time you guys make videos of reading a book or singing a song, it's just so soothing and so relaxing. So I love that. I love that you guys have created that space for parents to bring their kids, but also learn on their own. And that's one thing I have heard from parents before um, with feeding therapy. And I'm sure this is true in speech therapy, any sort of therapy is, yeah, they work with my kid, but I don't know what to do. I go home and I just go, yes. I don't know. I don't know what I should say or not say or whatnot. And so um, I love that you guys are helping parents because this is certainly something that parents um, need and and appreciate. So thank you for all the work you're doing. I will be sure to link everything down below. I think we're also going to work out some sort of discount for you guys, you listeners. Yes. There, if you'd like. yes. So we'll figure course, it out and link yeah. it down below for you. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on, for the work that you're doing, for hanging out with me and um, chatting to our listeners here on the podcast. I so appreciate it. And um, yeah, I guess I will see the rest of you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.